Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heagle falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brandon Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Daniel Garcia. And now we're going to recap the Boston series. A very up and down series. A very typical Angel series, at least as of late. Um, but let's get into that real quick. Um, obviously, starting Monday out in Boston, Griffin Canning on the mound. Trying to continue uh, to build... Uh, you know he's he's building mature. He's doing he's been doing really well as the last couple of outings. And I think that's something that um, as Angel fans you can kind of you know if you're going to try to look at something good in this series. And there's a couple things. Obviously Otani uh, hits a home run in this game. Obviously hits a game winning home run today on Sunday. But another one is 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 Griffin Canning. Griffin Canning's had um, a very up and down kind of career so far. I think from being really highly highly touted coming out of UCLA and working his way through the minor league uh, system fairly quickly. His MLB time has been kind of up and down, and now hopefully he's able to um, develop and become more of that consistent MLB type of pitcher. And, and he did really well. And again, coming into this game, Boston's offense has been one of the best, if not the best, in baseball, you know, uh, MLB.com ranked in the top team in baseball. And a lot of that has been off the bats of their lineup. So, you know, it was going to be a test for any pitcher coming in. It's definitely going to definitely a, uh, a test for Griffin Canning. Canning. Canning ends up going six innings, giving up six hits, two earned runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. And for the most part, you, you know, like I mentioned, you're not going to hold this kind of a team down for long. Um, the Boston Red Sox. He gives up a home run in the second, but after that, he you know he pretty much settles down. Otani brings it closer in the sixth inning with with his own home run, an opposite field bomb over the monster or into the seat monster seats. Um, something that's pretty crazy for him being left-handed and being able to go opposite way up into the uh, seats over the big uh, the red uh, the green monster is pretty crazy, and it showed. Uh, how much power he has because watching it, you can see that he just kind of honestly just seems like he flicked his wrist. Like he just kind of, you know, threw the bat out there to try to get some kind of contact. But with his strength, he was able to get a home run. But like I mentioned, um, Otani gets a home run opposite field. Angels are down two to one. Now going to the seventh inning, Iglesias doubles down the line and scores uh, Anthony Rendon and Jared Walsh. So at this point, you know, a seventh inning. Angels are on top, and you're feeling better about yourself for a couple reasons. Um, one, you know, you, you felt like you, you you calmed down. Like Canning had that one inning where he gave the one home run, 
and that was it. And then nothing else after that. Another part was that you have a fully rested bullpen. You know, having the day off the day before to get out to Boston, everybody in that bullpen was available, and everyone in that bullpen had at least one day off. A couple of those guys, the key guys, um, had two days off. And if you remember the last game of the Houston series, because of the usage rate of some of these bullpen guys, they didn't pitch at all in that last game. So now some of those guys are coming off two days of rest. So your your Watsons, your your Myers, your Iglesias, all those guys are now available with plenty of rest. So we go into the seventh inning, and obviously this has kind of been – you know, the Angels so far this this season, the bottom of the seventh. Canning gets taken out for Watson. So Canning, first of all, goes six innings. That's exactly what you want. It's exactly what uh, I think Angel fans are, are looking for from their pitchers is six innings, you know, three runs or less. Canning only gave up two is perfect. Now, there has been a lot of, you know, discussion, you know, on, on online about this move and there are some numbers out there that have been pretty damning on Joe Madden when it comes to this Watson coming into this uh Tony Watson you know has been fairly good for the Angels has been one of the most reliable relievers that Angels have had so far this season and for a team like the Angels that's actually saying a lot he comes in uh for Griffin Canning lefty now obviously with the three batter rule you know he's going to be in there for a little bit just because of how that works out. Gets Marlon Gonzalez to strike out. So great starts to this inning. But then you have two righties up right after him. And like I mentioned before, you can't take him out now, but some conversation about maybe putting Meyer in that situation, righty on righty for the majority of that inning where Watson is a lefty. Well, Hunter Renfro singles the line drive to center field. So now you have one on, one out. Bobby Dahlbeck, the, their first baseman, hits a home run. And obviously that's a two-run home run that puts Boston ahead three to four. And that's pretty much all they wrote. That's all they needed, a three to four victory to Boston, uh, Boston on the very first day. Discussion right away was, was did Joe make, that, make the right decision? Did he go with the right guy out of the bullpen? And like I said, Watson – you know, has been good. Watson has been a reliable guy that um, has come out of numerous times and done well. But with a lefty-righty kind of matchup with, um, what was it, uh, Renfro's numbers against and Dahlbeck's numbers, you know, their splits, was that the right move? And a lot of people wanted to second-guess John, or John, Joe, about this. And I kind of understand it. Um, when you look at the numbers, granted, uh, batting average isn't the best number to go off of, but you have to know those numbers. You have to know what certain guys like to see and whether it's a righty, whether it's a lefty. And it just seemed like Joe gets so caught up in he's going to be my, my seventh inning guy. He's going to be my eighth inning guy. He's going to be my ninth inning guy that there's no real flexibility. And I think not only did it show here on, on Friday, but I think it also shows on, on today, on Sunday. And we'll get to that in a little bit, but you know, it, it just kind of is—it's kind of mind-boggling that Joe, for as smart as a coach, a manager, he is said to be through baseball people, not just fans of whoever, but baseball people, and how smart he is with you know about the baseball game. It seems like he's so 
stuck on these are my guys in these situations instead of kind of playing it out by feel or by you know you know people have to use a user gut you know you would think joe would be able to use his gut more so than a lot of managers just because he's been around forever and he has had success whether it be in tampa bay or chicago but it just seems like right now that is lacking from the decision making decision making of joe right now it just seems like he's stuck in what he wants to do going into the game and that's his plan going into the game but once the game starts and things start maybe changing to what he thought was going to be he doesn't seem like the type to change his approach with it he seems like the guy that's going to stay with that no matter what and in this time and i think also on sunday it it definitely kind of backfired and, and it was unfortunate like i said canning having a great outing going six innings um only getting up two runs but again, a guy that's been eating up innings of late, uh, 94 pitches. So he's right around that 95-100 pitch mark. So I don't blame Joe for taking out Canning right then and there. It just, to me, was kind of confusing on to why he put in Watson right there. You can very easily have done uh, uh, Meyer in the, in, in the seventh because the matchup and then put Watson in the eighth and then Iglesias in the ninth. Like, those three guys need to be interchangeable. Those three guys need to be moved around when necessary. And it just feels like, like I said, when Joe is has an idea of what he wants, he's going to go with it no matter what. And I think that is um, pretty frustrating, not only as fans, but um, as the players. I, I would think the players would be just as frustrated um, as as us fans losing these games. And now this puts this would put the Angels losing streak um, I believe at four and obviously because of the swept and, and, or, or the losing streak in Houston day off, um, no, it'd be three losses in a row. So again, not great, not a great start. And it didn't get a whole lot better on Saturday, obviously, um, Bundy, Dylan Bundy, the angels opening day starter and, I'm going to say it right now, I don't think you can call him an ace. I don't think you can call him his ace, the Angels' ace. I don't even know if you can call him the Angels' best pitcher right now. And granted, it's early. Granted, it's um, very early in the season. I think he only has nine starts or, or so. Let me check it out. He has uh, eight starts right now. And uh, he had a whole – he had a, and he only had 11 starts last year. And I think this is where it gets kind of confusing me is that last year in 11 starts he had an absolute great season i'm talking about 329 uh era you know he his his he only gave up five home runs last year over 11 uh games he's already given up seven home runs two more home runs with three less games so people want to talk about bad luck and people want to talk about um the defense isn't playing well behind him or just no run support, which is true. Like uh, that's not to take away from some of that issues that the angels are having, but you can't not, you can't blame some of these numbers on that aspect of it. Like you can't blame the defense uh, when he's given up already two more home runs, uh, you know, than he did all of the short season last year with three less starts under his belt or even the walks, the walks are up. You know, they're they're going to be on pace to be, you know, higher than what they were last year, or even years past. I'm just wondering with Dylan Bundy, you know, is he the same Dylan Bundy as last year? I don't know. I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he isn't. I'm just saying right now, 
he doesn't seem like the guy that where in last year you're on a losing streak. Bundy came around the rotation. Boom. You knew it was going to end, or you knew you had a really good chance of that losing streak ending. I think right now with Bundy, you know, he's, he's kind of in the same mix with all these other guys. He has a really good opportunity to make a good start, but he's just as likely as anyone else in this rotation, which is kind of frustrating to get lit up, to give up five home, five runs to give up six runs. He's not that, guaranteed oh you know when you put him on the mound he's going to give up three or four runs no i don't i that's not a guarantee anymore and and it showed in this game too and and, it, and again it's frustrating as angel fans because you had a lot of hope for bundy him having a contract year him having a great year last year having a cy young vote last year you know the the hope was that he was going to be the guy to carry this rotation him and otani were going to carry this rotation to to being competitive. And for the most part right now, it hasn't happened. Otani has. Heaney has seemed to kind of turn a little bit. I know the last outing was kind of rough for him. Canning is kind of seems to be turning a little bit. But it just seems like those two guys are, are seem to be building on stuff. Uh, Canning and 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 um, and Heaney. When it comes to Bundy, it just doesn't seem like he's getting a lot better through this year. And I don't know. Again, it... it it could be just recency bias. It could be just because, you know, this last outing where he goes four innings, gives up eight hits, seven runs, uh, th- uh, only three strikeouts and two home runs. Like, I, it, it could be honestly just that. And that's what it is, you know, stuck in my head. But at the same time, you know, I just feel that he is kind of coming down towards the medium. He's kind of... Um, coming to what he was in Baltimore. I think last year was, was a career year for him. Now I don't think he can be that, but I don't think he's as bad as he's been either. You look at his last two starts, Bundy, you know, a total of only seven and two thirds innings, his last two starts with, uh, what is it? 13 runs and his last two starts. These are last two starts. And, and it shows against good teams like the Dodgers, like, like Boston, that, you know, when you have an ace type guy or when you have a guy that you want to be your ace, um, you know, he needs to show up in games like this. And granted, yeah, there are numbers out there that show that he is pitching better than his ERA is 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 showing. But still, it, it just he doesn't look like the same when you look at him pitching. Maybe he's trying too hard or maybe I don't know. Someone brought that up to me. He's like, maybe he started. He's trying too hard. And if that's the case. You know, you know, and that sucks. That's that's horrible. But you have to be better than that, and you have to be obviously in a situation where you can calm yourself down and 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 pitch within yourself. And some of the you know losses are because of, like I mentioned, uh, lack of run support. Uh, the one again, Kansas City, he gives up two runs, but you know, Angels are only able to scratch across two. Or he gives up three. Kansas City gives. Uh, Kansas City gets three. He only gives up two, uh, or the Angels only get two. And same thing with Texas. I mean, Texas, you know, he gives up five. So in that aspect, that's not a great team. You expect him to hold it down more. Angels score four. Still not enough. Seattle was, I think, his best outing so far. Um, Goes in six innings, giving up five hits, two runs, uh, six strikeouts. But again, because the Angels are not able to score at all, um, he gets the loss. So there are situations out there where he has been unlucky and he has not been able to, uh, 
get the benefit of good run support. But there's also times, too, where I feel like Bundy is not the same guy as last year. But that doesn't mean he's a horrible pitcher. That just means I think he kind of fell down to, to the group, to the rotation. And I think Heaney and, and Canning right now are kind of going in the opposite direction. They're going up. They seem to be getting better and better. And that Saturday game was really hard to watch. That Saturday game against Boston, Boston ends up winning 9-0. to zero. Your, your only hits in that whole lineup are Ward batting leadoff, which was something interesting that happened before this game. Ward was batting leadoff. They flipped Fletcher to the ninth spot. Well, Ward, Otani both get hits in the game. And then Goslin, who who surprising, is surprising a lot of people and doing really, really well, he had two hits. But everyone else in this lineup, zeros. You had Trout, zero. You had Rendon, zero. You had Upton, zero. You had, you know, Fletcher, zero. And come to find out, Fletcher was dealing with a little bit and is, I guess, still dealing a little bit with a hip slash knee issue. Um, and he did not play on Saturday or on Sunday. But something that did happen before the Saturday game, which was encouraging for the Angels, I think, was the trade for Hunter Strickland. Um, Strickland with Tampa Bay before this traded for a player to be named later or cash considerations. Strickland coming into this or in this season right now has uh, a 1.69 ERA this year uh, and 16 innings with 16 Ks. So he got traded Saturday morning, did not make the plane ride or did not get the Boston in time for the Saturday game. So he was unavailable, but that did happen before, before the game Saturday. And it was kind of a, okay, at least they're not just going to sit here and hope it gets better by itself. At least they're out there trying to make deals, trying to, work things out to where you know the angels can get better the bullpen which has seemed to be a real issue as of late can get better and they did that with hunter strickland we'll see how it goes obviously like i said um coming from tampa bay era about about at 1.70 and 16 innings pitch 16 strikeouts before his angels debut on sunday so that was some huge news that happened saturday before the game there was some news that happened Saturday during the game, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But as far as the Saturday day, Saturday game, um, pitchers were just absolutely having an issue. Like I mentioned before, Bundy going four innings, giving up seven runs uh, off of eight hits. They have Noe Ramirez coming in, three three innings, four hits, two more runs, and those were the nine. Claudio comes in to kind of clean up the eighth inning, gets through uh, easy with a strikeout. But – like I mentioned, you have these guys like Boston who are just absolutely killing the ball right now. You have um, Verdugo with two hits in this game. J.D. Martinez with two hits this game. You have Bogarts with two game, two hits this game. Um, they are just able to keep on wrapping up the hits, and that's something the Angels have been very inconsistent about so far this year. So now with the Angels down two, uh, two games to none to, to go into today, today's Sunday, Sweep. They tried to go and avoid the try to at least get one through uh, uh, Jose Quintana on the mound. Quintana, again, one of those guys that has been showing a, like glimpses. You know, he's been showing there for um, pitch. Like he seems to be getting better, but then he'll have a, a bad game. And then he seems to be doing okay, and then a bad game. Um, has you know a 
outing for himself. Uh, or Quintana has a fairly good outing for himself. Uh, four and a third, five hits, three runs, seven strikeouts. So his strikeout numbers were up there. But I think the thing for uh, Quintana was he didn't walk. If you remember some of his previous outings, Quintana gets into a lot of trouble and um, gets into a lot of trouble with his walks. That means his pitch counts up. That means just these innings are extending that much longer. Now that it seemed like he got the walks under control for this game, he was able to be a little more efficient, um, get a little deeper into the games, and we'll talk about kind of the when he got pulled out a little in a little bit. But obviously the biggest thing with the Angels coming off that big zip night before how was the offense going to be this game. Well, it got started off uh, fairly early, and this one was Taylor Ward. To the right side, base hit. One run will score. They'll stop the runner at third, and Walsh, Taylor Ward with an RBI. He gets it done. So Taylor Ward, obviously, RBI single. you got uh, Anthony Rendon that came around the score. So 1-0 uh, Angels, and I think that was a uh, very confidence building right there. You had uh, some changes in the lineup, too, so we were kind of waiting to see how that was going to play out. You had Rojas at batting leadoff, and like I mentioned a little bit earlier, Fletcher's dealing with a knee slash groin thing. So we'll see how that plays out. But we had Rojas leading off. Trout and Otani flipped, and I think that actually works out better because now in that second spot, Trout was slumping. I think coming into this game, he was 0 for 13 or something around that, uh, 0 for 11. But Trout comes into this game now batting second. He's going to get more at-bats there. He's going to have Otani um, behind him, one of the hottest batters right now in baseball. Um, so if you believe in that kind of protection, you know the guy behind you protects the person in front, then Otani is definitely going to be the guy that does that. So, you know, there were some changes in this lineup, but I think obviously the biggest one was not having Fletcher in there and obviously having uh, Otani and um, Trout flip. Well, we're still in the second inning when Phil Gosselin, again, a guy that has been uh, a very pleasant surprise for the Angels right now. He's playing outfield, so you see his uh, – he can play multiple positions. He's playing first on Saturday. Now he's playing in the outfield. But his bat stays hot with this. Pops that one to the right side. Heads down into the corner. That one goes. Hustling on around. Contact is rewarded, as we've seen it a couple of times with Ward and now with Gosselin. It's 2 to nothing. Halo. So Gosselin again doubles in Taylor Ward. You go up 2-0, and it, it, it's – with the Angels, it just seems like it's feast or famine right now. It seems like either they have a huge inning and they score four or five uh, runs in this inning, but then nothing after that, or they just are not able to put a single run on the board. It just seems like it's so um, hit or miss with the Angels. And it just feels like, you know, if they were able to start doing, you know, start hitting more consistently, this will be a huge, uh, a, a huge lift to this team because coming into it, you know, obviously the thing was this offense was going to carry the team. and it, 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 This offense has not done that uh, to this point. And if the team is going to start winning, yes, the pitching needs to do better. But we knew what the pitching was when the season started. And everybody, myself included, was banking on this offense being the main reason why this team won. And it hasn't been that yet. And it needs to be that now that you're going to have, you know, Trout in a slump, but you have Rendon back. Now you're, you're hoping to get upped in kind of um, – his power numbers are great, but his 
you know, uh, a batting average is horrible. So he's kind of a feast or famine type of guy. So you need guys like Gosselin. You need guys like up or like a uh, Ward, like uh, Walsh. You need those guys to really pre- start performing right now to uh, help this offense. Because again, this offense is going to take this team offense and defense, offensive, you know, at bats and then defense in the field is what's really going to help this team. So, like I said, we're still in the second. Drew Brutera, another great signing by the Angels. Uh, catching, I think a lot of people have really noticed the difference of with him behind the plate compared to Kurt Suzuki. It's going to be really interesting what happens when Stassi comes back because the Angels, you know, normally do not carry three catchers. Usually they carry two. Does you know one of those guys is going to have to go, and Stassi is kind of working his way back from a concussion, so that can still be kind of a a weird situation. You know, you don't want to rush a guy back, and right now I think with Butera, you don't necessarily need to rush him back, but. When he does come back, it's going to be a real interesting um, problem that the Angels are going to have. But he stays hot as well behind the plate with this base hit. In on the hands, fights it off into left field. It's down. Onto the plate, the second run. Sliding in safe. The Angels have on. So the Angels are up 4-0 after two innings. And like I mentioned, that helps um, – just morale that helps you know the angels fans especially just kind of like all right cool at least we're in this game at the beginning uh you know it pretty much goes the offense kind of goes cold after that uh you get a run from boston in the third you get a uh a home run uh that Quintana gave up so now you're looking at or he doubled sorry it's a double in the third now it's four to one and this is kind of now where the questions started coming in again for Joe and for his um, his bullpen management. I think that's the biggest thing right now is the bullpen management of Joe Madden and when he calls on guys and is it the right guy to call in. Right now, like I mentioned, Katana went four and a third, uh, three earned runs. So it wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible either, especially from what he has done in the past. You can understand Joe not necessarily wanting guys to go through the lineup again, but when a guy didn't seem to be really struggling that much, didn't seem like a, a guy that was like his pitch count was at 74. So, um, so it wasn't like he was super, you know, tired, you know, he wasn't at 95, 98, he wasn't there, but he ends up going with Slagers in that fifth inning. And he ends up giving up a home run that would eventually put the boss in ahead of the angels. And it just seems like, Slagers, especially, you look at his game logs, and he's like a lot of the Angels right now. He has three or four games in a row where it's zeros across the board. He goes one inning, no hits, no runs, you know, a strikeout, no walks. And then there's some games in there where you look at it, like this one, where he doesn't even record it out, but yet he gives up three hits and two runs. There's other games where he gives up, you know, goes an inning in a th- or a third of an inning, and he gives up two runs. It's just there's not a huge confidence factor when it comes to some of these guys in the bullpen. And kind of like I mentioned before too, I understand it's the fifth inning. I understand you want to use Watson, uh, Iglesias and Myers in the seventh, eighth and ninth inning. And, And that makes complete sense. But when you have the lead like this and you're in a situation, I wish Joe would use one of his key guys, which like I mentioned, Watson, Iglesias and Myers to get out of that jam. It's one thing to bring Slagers in when there's nothing on, no one on base or there's no craziness going on. 
I think if you're going to bring in a guy with people on or, 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 or in a jam, if you will, bring in one of your top guys to do it. You have a couple in there where you can still use one of them to, to save the game at the end. I just feel like, I don't know if Slagers was necessarily the right choice, but it happened. He ends up, like I said, giving up, giving up a home run, putting Boston up uh, four to five, and it just kind of deflated everything that the Angels, you know, fans and Angels, I guess, uh, uh, players were really looking at, uh, hoping for to get a win and, and able to get at least one in Boston before they come home against the Cleveland Indians. But obviously he gets out. C-Sheck does a great job, goes an inning and two-thirds. Uh, Strickland, the new angel, pitches two or pitches two-thirds of an inning, gives up one hit, two strikeouts. Watson comes in to get that last out, so you're good. So now the eighth inning comes. Angels are still down one, but you need to hold this to one. If you have a, if you're going to have a shot, you're going to have to hold – Obviously, Boston's lead to just one, and that's exactly what Iglesias did. Iglesias came in, one uh, one inning, one strikeout, uh, and it worked, you know, great. And it surprised me a little bit that he didn't go with Meyer, but he went with Iglesias, which ended up working. And I and you know, you need to hold the lead there or hold the one uh, run lead and keep it at that. So, Angels are now down to their final out, um, pretty much their final strike with Mike Trout at the plate, and like I mentioned. To this point, he was like on a 0 for 13 slump or 0 for 14 slump. He has been working really hard to try to put the ball in play and and break the slump. And, and you understand if you played baseball before, any sport for that matter, that streaks happen, good streaks happen, bad streaks happen. But Trout has just been in the middle of one that's just been really hard. And for a player that you, you're used to always seem to begin on base once or twice a game, to see this 0 for streak was, was kind of hard. But he was able to get out of this streak with this little bloop hit. Trout fastball in, popped up right side. Here come the Red Sox together. There's a base hit for Trout. So, yeah, it, you know, it's a bloop hit, but maybe that's what it takes for him to kind of bust out of this slump. Um, if you watch the game, the outfielders were way back. So it was in that perfect little you know, uh, uh, Bermuda Triangle, if you will, where players are running to get it and it just falls perfectly. So, like I mentioned, the Angels were down to the last out of the last inning uh, and Trout gets on. And then a lot of times what you're looking for is very simple, a bloop and a blast. And guess what happened uh, when Otani came up to bat? Shohei, high fly ball to the corner. It goes into deep right field. Otani. Oh, my. He did it. Shohei. So Otani comes up huge right now with his 12th home run of the year, tying uh, for the lead in home runs. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he's pitching Wednesday at Angel Stadium, too. So this guy can literally do it all. Otani has been carrying this team, especially with the struggles of a lot of the offensive players. And it's just crazy to think that a lot of guys coming into this season weren't sold on Otani or thought maybe he was getting pay too much or, or whatever, but he has definitely proven this year that last year was an injury injury year for him coming back from Tommy John, coming back from that knee injury, not being able to get a full workout. And because of all the shutdowns, when you get a full off season behind him, you get him a hundred percent healthy. This is the kind of production you can see from Otani, not only at the plate, but obviously 
on the mound. On the mound, he's been doing great. So the Angels end up winning this one, six to five, able to get one in Boston. Uh, Myers with the save, like I mentioned before. And as of right now, with the standings, at least, at least, I guess you got to start somewhere. Angels are now no longer in last place in the West. That is now the Texas Rangers. So we'll see how long that lasts. Hopefully they can work their way up. They're still six and a half games back of first place Oakland, um, but they're only three games back of the of Seattle, which is the next team. I had the third place team behind them. So you kind of have to take those baby steps. You have to pass, you know, obviously Seattle before you can even think about taking over Houston and Oakland. So three games back of Seattle for that third place spot. Like I mentioned before, they are in a three-game series coming up in uh, Anaheim against Cleveland, a team that has been notoriously bad at offense, but has also been notoriously good at def- uh, at pitching. So it's going to be really interesting to see where what gives. Do the Angels pitchers are, are the Angels pitchers able to shut down a, a lackluster lineup and maybe get a couple wins because they're able to score like two or three runs, or is it going to be the vice versa where the pitching really does show up for the Cleveland Indians? And they're able to kind of squeak one or two by, and that's all they need. Good news with that is Shane Bieber pitched today. So that definitely guarantees that the Angels will not see Shane Bieber at all this um, this time, uh, this series. So that definitely helps. But everyone on that rotation can pitch. It's going to be really interesting to see what Cleveland is going to be. They are on a losing streak. They just lost three in a row to Seattle. Um, almost getting, oh no, they almost no hit Seattle. I believe that was, uh, on Thursday. So they won that game and then they lost the last three games in Seattle. So like I mentioned before, they can pitch, they just have a hard time hitting. So it's going to see which one can kind of show up more, the uh, Indians pitching or the angels hitting. And that's going to be something really interesting. Sports culture takes take line has it all. Take Line is a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy Award winner Jason Compression and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. That's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and the world of sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee talk about the games, players, conversations, and issues that run both on and off the court. Follow now to hear Take Line every Tuesday wherever you get your podcast. You work hard and you play hard, so treat yourself and stock up for summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteak.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime to American-style Kobe, hard-to-find specialty cuts, and more, Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it super easy. Each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash-frozen and delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with family while enjoying steakhouse-quality meals from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter-tender filet mignon, Kansas City strip, juicy steak burgers, all-beef jumbo hot dogs, and even a complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your home this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD. That's KansasCitySteaks.com, promo code SD. Again, that's KansasCitySteaks.com, promo code SD. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now going to be on pro basketball and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline.ag has your betting action covered. 
In the NBA, the conference races are heating up as the teams prepare to make their push for the playoffs. And if baseball is your first love, like it is mine, Bet Online has you covered. If you love hockey, golf, MMA, and championship boxing, guess what? Bet Online has it all. Every sport, every game, every matchup. Bet Online has you covered for all the odds and real time updates, and this is the place for all your sports betting needs. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to place and check in on all your favorite sports bets all the time. Head to the website or use your mobile device and bring home the game with Bet Online. So, getting into more of the news aspect of the Angels and what's going on, um, obviously, some big news kind of Angels related, and I kind of wanted was wondering what people felt, and that was the signing of Albert Pujols with the Dodgers. And um, I, I mean, I that to me was very surprising as far as Albert going to the Dodgers. I did not think he was going to play. I came out here and said I didn't think he was going to play. I, with the Dodgers injuries, I guess now looking at how that team is structured and how that team – kind of needs a guy that can help against lefties. That makes sense. Um, but that was very surprising to see Albert sign with the Dodgers. Um, it looked like for a little bit that the Cardinals were in a little bit of communications, but that it didn't seem like it was super, super major, super uh, serious kind of conversations. And so I never thought he was going to go there, but you know, I, I, I just think if, and this is kind of weird too, because Albert has not yet come out and said anything about a the departure from Anaheim and b the the reasons why he's signing with uh with the Dodgers. Now I'm I'm I want to hear him say what happened in Anaheim because if it if if it does come to playing time, well, guess what? He's probably getting. He's, I, I I can't imagine him getting a much more playing time with the Dodgers than he would have got with the Angels at all. I think Albert went there. I think honestly, I think Albert thought he was going to get a starting gig somewhere in baseball. And then when he was hearing that that wasn't going to happen, that he wasn't going to get that guaranteed um, starting spot or close to it, I think he started reevaluating his his options. And I truly believe that that Angels Bridge was obviously already burned. He lives out in obviously in probably in L.A. Orange County area, and I think. Um, I, I honestly think uh, Halo Reports says it right here on our Instagram. Albert doesn't want to move. LA is close. My guess is that every other team told Albert what he did, and that's what he's nothing. And that's his nothing more than a bench bat. Yeah, I think exactly the same thing. I think Albert is a bench bat. I think he went around trying to shop himself for that, and then when he found out there was no takers, if you want to play, that's where you're going to fit in. And so we'll see what happens with Anaheim. Um, uh, a question on here, Hartford Halo. Uh, do you see Albert getting DFA'd when Bellinger comes back? And this is kind of a conversation I had with some friends too about Albert, especially Dodger uh, friends of mine that are Dodger fans about Albert's long-term deal with with the Dodgers. I personally think, and a lot of people are, are kind of wishy-washy, but I don't think he finishes the season with with um. I honestly don't think he finishes the season with the Dodgers. I think he's going to have a chance. I don't see him all of a sudden going on a crazy tear to where they have to keep him because he's doing so good. I don't think he's going to do that. The one thing going for Albert, though, is the fact that 
he's only getting paid about $500,000 from the Dodgers. And they're taking that out of the huge 30, whatever million dollars the angels are paying for. But for the Dodgers, it's very cheap. So in, in, right now, when they're injured and, you, you you know, maybe you don't have minor league guys that are ready to come up yet, you can use one of those roster spots for Albert. But when they start getting healthy again and they're going to need roster spots, I mean, you look at some of those injuries, Albert can't play more than one position. So I don't know what they're going to do, but I definitely don't see Albert um, playing there throughout the season. I think he's going to have a couple shots. We'll see what happens, but I just don't see him going through all the way with uh, the Angels or with the Dodgers throughout the whole season. Thoughts on Suzuki replacing Beretta late in the game. Why not pitch hit Upton then put Suzuki? That's what I was wondering too. And when I saw that, I kind of went back to see if Butera was injured or something like that. I don't know. Maybe Upton. I don't know. Upton's an older guy. So a lot of times with older guys, you will say, hey, you're off today. And you'll say, hey, you're 100% off. So we won't even try to pitch it. So you can kind of get in that mental mentality. So maybe that's what Madden did before the game even started, before even knowing in the situation. Maybe he said, hey, get off your feet. You're good. We're not going to go to you at all this time. And maybe that's why. I'm still wondering why he pitched it for for Butera at all with Suzuki. I would have thought it would have been the other way around. I thought if Suzuki was batting or, or starting, that you would pitch it Butera because it just seems like Butera just always seems to be a better at bat than, than Suzuki. I was surprised by that completely. I don't know if there was something else behind it. If maybe Buteri got kind of banged up in a situation, I don't know. But that was kind of interesting to me. Uh, thoughts on Madden saying he'd uh, experiment with Trout leading off. I think it's a terrific idea with his on-base percentage. I think it is too. I think Trout anywhere in that first or second hole right now is, is, is going to be beneficial just because of the fact that to get out of this slump, uh, he needs to get more at-bats. I think that's the only way for – for Trout to get his timing to get back to what Trout was normally do is get more at bats. Um, and I think the best way you do that is put him at second or put him at first. I don't necessarily think you need to put him on at first because I always thought uh, the leadoff position is kind of quote unquote overrated just because you're only guaranteed a leadoff one time per, per game. Um, you know, there's been, there, there can be a time where Trout leads off three innings or two innings because of where how the lineup kind of shifts and in that two spot. I don't know. Um, so I don't necessarily think he needs to be the quote-unquote leadoff guy, but high up in the lineup and and will help. And I think that second spot works out great. I thought Boston would appreciate Pujols with the lack of first base production. No, they actually like uh, uh, that one kid that hit the home run a couple nights ago. Uh, I'm forgetting his name. He is their first baseman of the future. He is their first baseman that they are really Dolbeck. That's what it was, Dolbeck. He's the guy that they really want to be that first baseman of the future. And kind of like with the Angels with Walsh, it doesn't make any sense to bring up Albert that's going to take at-bats away from a, a young, developed player, a promising player like Dolbeck. So not surprised by that. I hope Albert clears the air. The Dodgers are thin at first base right now. Albert loves hitting against the Astros and the Rangers. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for Albert. I'm very surprised Albert did not come out, you know, even if it wasn't the day he got DFA'd, but maybe a, a two days, three days. I mean, we're going on now. It's going to be, you know, close to two weeks since he got DFA'd, and we still have heard nothing from Albert. So I would have loved to at least hear something his side of it, even if it's in a in a release. Maybe not, you know, in an interview type, but some kind of a release to show or talk about his side of it. Because right now, all we know as Angel fans is what we read, and right now, all we're hearing is that 
He wanted to play more. He didn't like Madden's coaching style. He didn't like the front office and what their ideas were about him. And he got mad because he didn't wasn't able to play against a certain pitcher. That's all we know. And right now, if that is true, in my eyes, that looks real bad on Albert, not the Angels. So hopefully he does come out at some point and clears the air. And hopefully at some point he does um, – Oh, Butera took a pitch off the foot, so that's probably why. Um, yeah, hopefully Albert does come out and clear the air because I think that help will help us kind of understand more about what's going on. Uh, with the bullpen struggling, do you see Taylor Ward throwing throwing some relief? No, Taylor Ward's not a pitcher. You mean how about <laughs> you mean Jared Walsh? Um, I don't see either one of them. Ward has never thrown at all um, pitching, at least on the majors, maybe in college or high school, maybe. Jared Walsh, we talked to him before, before uh, at the end of last year, and he's kind of done with the pitching aspect of it. And I think the Angels have even echoed that, where they saw what he can do when he concentrates fully on on the, at 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 the at the plate, and obviously they really like that. So I do not see uh, Jared Walsh pitching at all. And you see, we saw that uh, in the game earlier this year, where um, Angels were getting blown out. They brought in. Who they bring in? They brought in Anthony Ben Boom to pitch like the ninth inning just to get out of it. That could have been that would have been a perfect situation for Jared to come in and and pitch because a you know the chance of him hurting himself is less because he knows what he's doing, and b you know he's already like I said he has stuff to do. I just don't think he's I don't think you'll see Jared Walsh pitch again on the mound in any kind of serious, um, in any kind of serious aspect at all. Uh, in his career anymore. Madden has been killing us with the moves, especially the other day when he put in Watson versus guys who hit lefty batters. He, he even said Rojas would lead off versus righties, even though he hits left bats, lefty bats. Yeah. Um, I personally, when it comes to the Madden stuff, I kind of feel he's, is been a little bit overrated a little bit. Um, you know, I Madden, Madden did well in, Tampa Bay, but then he left Tampa Bay and guess what? Tampa Bay is still rolling. So how much of that makes me think how much of the Tampa Bay success and them going to the world series is on Madden or how much of it is on that front office for the most part, that's still there. And they are consistently putting out teams that, that compete that are competitive and go to the playoffs. And like last year, go to the world series, you know, Madden hasn't been there for years, but yet they are still very competitive. Then you go to Chicago, they win the World Series. But when the hiring happened, or right before the hiring happened, I talked to a guy that does a podcast for Chicago, and they just felt he was unable to develop some of these younger guys. I mean, you're talking about Rizzo and Brian and Schwarber at the time, and all these guys were young, uh, um, Baez, you know, Contreras at the time. You know, you, all these young guys were promising, and yet they were only able to win one World Series. And each year after that, it got worse. They win a World Series, then they make it to the Championship Series. And then next year, they make it to the Division Series. And then last, and the year before that, or after that, they, they make it to the Wild Card. And then the year he got let go, they didn't make it to the playoffs at all. So, you know, for me, I don't know what people expected from Madden. I kind of said it when he got hired. It's going to come down more to the personnel on the field than Joe. But Joe has done some things that cost them games. Granted, it might only be three games right now that we that you can honestly say Joe cost them. And then right and if that's the case, you know, the Angels will still would still be 20 and, you know, would be 
uh, what if 20 and 19, so one game over 500, it still wouldn't be necessarily like they're, you know, winning the division or anything yet. But Joe, like I said, just seems to be a guy that has an idea going into the game and he's going to stick with it. And he doesn't, he doesn't change it, even though maybe the situation calls for it. Um, you know, you're talking about the Watson thing against lefties, you know, and it just seemed like in his head, he was going to have it Watson in the seventh, Meyer in the eighth, Iglesias in the ninth, where if you could have very easily, like today, switched for the better matchup. You could have went uh, Myers in the in the uh, seventh, and then uh, Watson in the eighth, and then Iglesias in the ninth, and you still would have been just as comfortable, or I would have been just as comfortable that way too. But it just seems like Madden has his idea, and he's going to stick to it, and he's not a great in-game um, manager. It seems like all his stuff that people are you know, talk to him about is kind of talking to players and being real personable to players, but that's stuff you do outside of the game, outside of the lines, you know, between on road trips, you know, before or after games, but it just seems like he's, he's yet to really show off that quote unquote genius side of his on the field, at least not this year. And I'm really interested to see if the team struggles where he's going to land at the end of this year. He's older. Obviously if he retires, I don't think people would, would, would even blink an eye. I mean, he, like I said, he is older. He is definitely a guy that is around that age where this could be very much his last stop just because maybe he doesn't want to move out of Southern California again. And he, he's made a ton of money and he has the the resume he has. He can very easily retire at the end of this year or next year and, and live a great life. So it'd be really interesting to see what Joe, what happens with Joe after this year, if this continues to struggle. Uh, one of our com our comments on YouTube, angels need to decide if they're going to going for it all right now. If they are, that means trading Joe Adele and Brad and Marsh for pitching. If not trade trap for a load of prospects to start rebuilding. Wow. That's a terrible take, but it's a take nonetheless. Um, I don't think you need to, um, decide that right now on May, May 16th of 162 game year. Um, whether or not they're going to be all in or all out, you're not going to trade Trout because you're not going to get a, 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 a grip load of prospects that way. I just, I, the whole trade Trout crap, that's BS. That's a, the laziest argument you can have. Um, if they want to trade Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh for pitching, guess what? Their reports, they try to do that. Um, nothing against Joe or nothing against Brandon, but outfielders are not that hard to come across. Outfielders that are minor league prospects are not that hard to come across. Now, if Joe had a better outing in his major league debut last season, that can switch us all around, but he didn't. And Brandon has yet to uh, make a major league debut. And he's just started um, with the Salt Lake bees this weekend and off to a good start, but again, short sample size. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they do make trades, it's probably not going to be, for um a front line top of the line pitcher i just you don't i don't see it because when they went for blake snell from tampa bay one of the guys that was on that list was chris rodriguez and obviously like you've seen he is not going anywhere reed detmers isn't going to go anywhere so if you want to trade for trade if you want to trade for pitching established pitchers what you're going to give up in return is young controllable pitching not an outfielder or two outfielders or an outfielder and infielder. No, if you're going to go for an established pitcher, 
you're going to give up a young, controllable pitcher. And the Angels have two of those right now that are very valuable, but I think they're more valuable for the Angels. And that's, again, Chris Rodriguez and Reed Detmer. So if you're thinking trading, you know, Joe and all that stuff is going to get you a ton, it might get you another two or three, you know, a, a number two or number three, but it won't get you a Noah Syndergaard type or a uh, um, Garrett Cole or a frontline shutdown starter that the Angels need. That's not going to happen. The best bet for the Angels right now is try to get a guy in free free agency next year if people come available. You're going to have a lot of money with Albert off the books. Then develop Chris Rodriguez. He is in the bullpen right now, And which reminds me, we have a question from an emailer. Um about that very same question. And you can email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. So if you have a question or anything like that at any point, go ahead and email us. Email us. And this uh, emailer asks us this question. Good afternoon. Do you guys think C-Rod fits better as a future closer rather than a starter? Power to you guys. Thanks. And he signs VB. I think he's going to go be a starter. I think you give him that chance to be a starter, Chris Rodriguez. Knowing that he has that kind of stuff, if it doesn't work out as a starter, you can slot him into that closer position, and then you can really work on getting that those two or three pitches really honed in, and he can be a lockdown closer down the line. But I think because he can throw four or five pitches right now, you know, maybe not all with the best um, control, but he can. You give him that shot to that shot to start next year to be in that lineup to be in that um, you know every fifth day with it would be him it would probably be Reed at some point next year for sure it would be him uh, Canning maybe Heaney if they resign Heaney and Otani you give some of these young guys opportunities to develop and you see how it goes there but like I mentioned if he if he can or something happens if he just um, he just see, and you know, he just can't do it health wise, or maybe then, yeah, put him in as a closer. He can be your closer for the next five, six years, or whatever, but give him that opportunity to start. And I think if he is starts and he does do well, he's going to be a big change for this Angels uh, rotation next year with Reed Detmers, with Otani, with Canning, with you know, maybe Andrew Heaney. You, can, you probably let Bundy go. Um, and we'll see what happens. Strickland for closer. I don't mind that. I also don't mind Iglesias as a closer. He did really good today. He's been a guy that's been up and down. Um, what I really would like Strickland to do, or I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, whether it's Strickland, whether it's Myers, whether it's Watson, one of those guys, I, I would rather them be a, and I forgot who used the term before a couple years ago, but like a, uh, a fireman, which means regardless of what inning it is, regardless of um, how many outs you bring him in to get you, get him, get you bring him in to get you out of certain situations. If there's a guy on first and second, two outs, six inning, bring in one of those main guys to get out of that situation and don't let that inning snowball. If it's Strickland, great, because at that point, you can make an argument. That at that point in the game, if let's just say like like today, Angels were up one, you get in a little bit of trouble in the sixth inning. Um, you know, bring in a, a Strickland then, or bring bring in Myers then, because now if you start bringing in you know Slagers or Shechek or whatever, th- 
those aren't your high leverage guys. And that's a super high leverage situation. Like those guys, those three guys, and Chris Rodriguez, you can even add him when he comes back healthy, hopefully this week. Those are high leverage guys. Those guys should be in high leverage situations, whether that's in the fifth inning or whether that's in the ninth inning. Those guys are are your high leverage situation guys, and they need to be in those situations whenever it happens. Not not slaggers because it's only the fifth inning. No, high situation, high leverage guys need to be in high leverage situations. And like I said, that's Strickland, that's Iglesias, that's Myers, that's Watson, that's Chris Rodriguez when he comes back. So, you know, hopefully this bullpen can continue to get better. But like I mentioned. C-Sheck, I'm not sold on yet. Uh, um, Slagers, I'm not sold on. The DFA, no way. No way's return to the Angels was very unsuccessful um, after they brought him back. So, you know, if if Watson and Strickland, Iglesias and Myers and Rodriguez can all pitch to the, to the caliber we've seen them pitch this year, that's five guys in your bullpen that – that can pitch high lever situation. And I think that's the key to get this bullpen switched around. Now you just need Madden to pull the trigger on it, not to get so caught up with some of these guys that he falls in love with. Like, like, like today put in um, Strickland when they brought in Slagers, get him out of that inning. I just, I don't know. Uh, here's another one. Um, if Fletcher keeps on slumping, can Ward play second and have Marsha Dell in right field? no, he can't play first or second base. I think you're probably going to see a, if he slumps, I think you're probably going to see more Rojas, more um, than anything. Marsh probably won't be up this year. I don't think so unless he starts absolutely killing it. I think Adele will be up in right field later on this year. He's been doing pretty well. Um, but yeah, if Fletcher keeps on struggling, I, Ward won't play second base. He, he hasn't played the infield, or the only position he played on the infield is the corners. And even then, that was kind of in a sketchy, kind of not great. I think he kind of found his sweet spot in, in outfield uh, right now. How about your boy Marsh playing well in Salt Lake? Love his and Adele's energy. Hopefully, it carries over. Yeah, um, Marsh again started this weekend out in Salt Lake. Uh, first game home run, second game triple. Um, Joe had a hit a home run on Friday, I believe. Friday or Saturday, he hit a home run. But also something I've noticed from kind of poking in on um, on Brandon right now, he's walking a lot, which is good. Which is he's being selective. He's not, you know, obviously he's he's able to get on base. He's taking that, taking it to get on base, and that's just a really good sign. I feel so. Um, We'll see how it goes, but yeah, those guys I think are, um, well, you know, those guys are definitely the future. But I don't think you'll see Brandon up this year, and I don't think you'll see Joe until probably June or July is my guess. But we'll see what happens. But you know, so uh, that's going to pretty much wrap it up for this edition of the All Angels Podcast. Um, like I mentioned before. You, we have a three-game series. This next week is going to be pretty crazy for the Angels right now when you look at it. They have a three-game series with Cleveland coming up at Angel Stadium. Your starters are going to be uh, – Sandoval makes his first start of this year. Obviously, the only other times we've seen him is out of the bullpen, and his last bullpen outing wasn't great. So something to watch out for. But Sandoval starts Monday. His, Like I mentioned, his first start of the year. You have Haney starting against – Plesak on Tuesday. Plesak is the guy that had the no hitter on 
Seattle, uh, I believe, into the eighth inning. So these guys can both pitch. That might be a the pitching duel of the week. Um, and then you have, again, Otani pitch Wednesday. And I guess keep on your ears out to see if he's going to hit as well. I'm sure he will. He's done it very well the last couple of days. Um, and then you have Thursday. Thursday's a double header for the makeup of the two twins game. Lucky for the Angels, though, the twins are not doing well at all. They're all in last place with only 13 wins right now in uh, for the year. So hopefully they're able to take advantage of it. But you're going to have two seven-inning games on Thursday. So very important to remember, two seven-inning games on Thursday for the Angels. And then next weekend, um, they have Oakland in town for three Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I will be at the game Friday for the uh, Trout Bobblehead. So if you're going to be there, if you are thinking about being there, um, send a DM, send a, send send something, see if we can uh, meet up, and, and we'd love to meet some of you, some of the people, and, and talk a little Angels baseball. But I will be at that game Friday. Our next podcast will probably be on Thursday, depending on what time those games end, the um, doubleheader games. And I know it's kind of tricky with – double headers because you're not too sure about what time that second one's going to start because usually they say it's like um uh 30 40 minutes that the, after the end of the first one. So right now that first game or the second game is scheduled to start at 4:07 p.m. So if that goes again seven innings so it's probably not going to be a 3 hour game so look for a podcast Thursday night 7, 7.30, we'll kind of try to play it by ear and see when this game is going to be over. But we'll definitely have a podcast on Thursday before the Oakland series, and we'll have five games to talk about and review. And hopefully, out of those five games, Angels can at least come around with three of them because they are going to need some wins um, soon. And, and hopefully, with the end of with the end of this month going into June, it kind of it lines up a little bit for the guys uh, you have the Diamondbacks, you have Detroit, but you also have Tampa Bay, you have New York Yankees, you have the Giants. So, you know, June's also going to be a very tough uh, month for the Angels, but we'll get there when we get there, but we'll see what happens. So very busy week for the Angels. We will be back Thursday night. Um, get your tickets for Friday's game. Trout bobblehead. I will be there looking forward to maybe hopefully seeing some of you guys out there, but until next time, I am Dan Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. 
At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.